Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. From the Star Rental Sports Desk, your 950 KJR Sports Headlines. All right, boys and girls, here we go. Happy Friday. Headlines on Softy and Dick are brought to you, of course, by our friends at VenueKings.com. More than anything, I want better execution. Are we clear on that? I want better execution. The Husky Dogs get a win last night in Utah. They're back home next week against Stanford and Cal. You need tickets, by the way. VenueKings.com can set you up. Be sure and use code SOFIA at checkout for a little bit of a discount. So a major, major development in college football. Jaden Delora is transferring away from Washington State. The Washington State quarterback will enter the transfer portal according to multiple reports. Bobby Wagner, John Reed, Brandon Shell all out for the Hawks on Sunday. Will Disley, Gabe Jackson, Carlos Dunlap are questionable. NHL scores just two games tonight. Flames and Hurricanes tied at one after one in Carolina. Capitals and Blues from St. Louis in a matter of minutes uh, on the NHL Network. And the Kraken have the weekend off. They will take on Colorado 5.30 pregame, 6 o'clock face-off right here on 950KJR on Monday. Cardinals have activated J.J. Watt from the IR. Not ready to play this week against the Hawks, but the team hopes he'll be ready for the first playoff. Uh, Brett McMurphy reporting that the 2025 and 2026 College Football National Championship game will be played in Las Vegas and Miami. And Texas transfer quarterback Casey Thompson has ended up at Nebraska. Let's get to Hugh Millen right now. Talk some football. We got some dogs. We got some hawks. We got the whole spiel. The whole menu is available, baby. Hugh Millen, how are you, pal? What's going on? I'm doing well, guys. Yabba dabba do. Yeah, let's do it. Rock and roll. Let's uh, let's get let's get it on. We got the uh, Hawks in Arizona on Sunday. Dick and I were debating a couple segments ago. Is there anything that you can see offensively in this game on Sunday that would kind of maybe increase your level of hope going into next year? What do you think? Well, I think it's a springboard game. It's a good opponent. They've got a lot to play for. And so if if you really were to look, you know, sparkling on offense, I mean, the all-time springboard game that I can think of just, you know, top of mind is that 1989 Freedom Bowl. Washington played Florida, held Emmett Smith to 17 yards, beat him 34 to 7, and that that was the launching pad to two of the best seasons in the history of the Pac-10 and Pac-12 um, for yeah. the Huskies, yep. and, uh, you know, just all time in the conference. So, some, you know, may, it's, maybe it doesn't have that kind of impact, but I think that if, it, you know, the better you look, the, the better you're going to feel about things. Uh, that doesn't negate some of the concerns that you've generated up to now, um, but at, at least, you know, for guys like Rashad Penny, for example, who you say, well, you've only played well against the poorer defenses mm-hmm. uh, in, in this r- run against the Rams and the 49ers, two top 10 de- uh, defenses uh, against the run, he's had 35, 39 yards. And and when he's been popping way over 100, it's been you know against teams ranked in the 20s. So, uh, yeah, I think you can glean something, but um, it's, it's not going to change your entire outlook. I think that'd be foolish. We've talked a lot about Penny this week. And, Hugh, just give us, you know, forget the injuries for a second. A healthy Rashad Penny, what does the film tell you as far as his upside potential as a running back? Well, it's hard to say because the offensive line is getting a surge, and so the running the running lanes are a lot more favorable for him. Uh, you know, it's what can you do when 
when, when the, the line isn't moving the line of scrimmage quite as much. Uh, yeah, he's shown that he can be very productive when he ha- he can come. When I say the running angles, you know, if you're running at the guard and there's, a, 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 let's say you're going inside zone on the left side and the guard, you know, there's a double team there and you're just getting massive movement. Well, now as you're pressing that hole, you know, just slightly to the outside, you know, that's an obtuse angle. You can hit that at full speed. If you have a slight cutback, that's an obtuse angle. You can do those things at full speed. But when the line isn't moving, now all of a sudden, are you going to come to a nearly a dead stop to make a right angle cut or what have you? You know, so those angles really matter. And I personally would like to see one game from Rashad Penny against a really good defense. Yeah, I think, yeah. I think, I think my, my take will be different on this run that he's had if he can be that type of player and, and, you know, see those. Cause one, it's, look, it, we see some good ability by him in the second level, third level. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think he has the elite speed that people talk about. He's faster than Chris Carson because that's the reason why Chris Carson was a seventh rounder. Um, so, but I don't see that total breakaway. Uh, and, and, but, but everybody, if you pop them into the second level down after down because you're controlling the line of scrimmage, they're liable to make good cuts. Right. Um, it's not, I'm not trying to de- overly detract from him. It's just that, again, what are you doing when you got a little bit more stout running defense? Well, I think the other part of that, the other half of that question is if Penny looks great against Arizona, what if they look terrible and they can't run the ball at all against the Cardinals? And what does that, does that tell you then that, well, maybe we shouldn't bring him back? I mean, what is your plan, kind of your. 12-step plan for Rashad Penny right now. Do you bring him back as your starter? Do you do you pay him decent money? How do you handle Rashad Penny if you're Carroll? Well, you, first of all, you see what kind of money he wants, and and that, that's going to start everything, right, because he's he's hitting the market. You didn't exercise your option on him, and, and you see what his contract demands are and what kind of uh, market there is. I don't think that you rush to try and throw uh, market-breaking money at him to, to – to get him to not take other offers. Um, yeah. So, so I, I think, I think you start right there and you, you know, you, the, the problem with Chris Carson is we're not going to know about Chris Carson until September, because if he had, let's say he had had an, uh, you know, ACL or something, MCL, he'd torn his MCL, whatever. You're going to watch him in minicamp. You're going to see how he moves. They're not going to hit Chris Carson. They're not permitted to Chris hit Chris Carson in minicamps. It's against the the uh, the, the the union uh, uh, rules. So uh, he's got a neck, and that we don't we don't know how that neck surgery is going to in the aftermath of that and how that's going to impact him. And we're not going to know till September. So I think that you have to just assume that you don't have much in Chris Carson, which means you have to get somebody else because you can't. I don't think the the combination of Carson concern and Penny concern mandates to me that you get a legitimate uh, uh, another body in there. And le- unless you really have the faith, faith in DJ Dallas, but I think they're going to go hunting for another guy. Where are you on the will Russell, Russell Wilson be back scale? And does this game hold any impact at all? Will your needle be moved positively or negatively at all based upon how the offense and how he looks against Arizona? Well, it appears to be Russell Wilson's decision. Right. I mean, he, he would have to waive his no trade clause. He's under contract. And if he's not going to be the quarterback next year, it's going to be because he has said uh, that that's what he wants. Um, whether or not there's going to be, you know, what the market's going to be for him and Seattle's desire to retain him. But, it, you know, there's a lot of things going into this thing. I, I don't think the Seattle Seahawks, if Russell Wilson comes to them, and says, I don't want to be a Seahawk anymore. 
I don't think that they're going to um, just make him be a Seahawk. Mm-hmm. They'll they'll comply to his wishes. I mean, he, he might walk in and say, hey, Sierra doesn't like Seattle. Um, you know, you guys have been awesome to me, but as a family, we got to go. Uh, I mean, there's all I'm, I'm just painting pictures. So so I think, Dick, that it really it's not so much, you know, does he perform well and what what Pete Carroll may think of that or 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 John Schneider or, who, you know, Shane Waldron. It's what does Russell think about it coming yeah. out of that? I mean, yeah. he was disgruntled at 12 and four. What's he going to be after this season? Well, Corbin Smith uh, asked Russell the other day about kind of maybe putting an end to all this stuff. I want to play this clip for you and get your reaction to it. Go ahead, Jackson. You're on the record several times recently saying that you hope to be with the Seahawks beyond this season, but you're one of the few players in the league that has full control over your destiny with the no trade clause. Why... If you want to be in Seattle, instead of saying you hope to be here, why not just come out and definitively squelch these rumors? What is there to gain keeping the door open when you have full control over your fate? Well, I think first of all, Corbin, you know, when it comes to no trade clause in sports, the main reason is for so 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 teams can't trade somebody to anywhere. That's the number one reason, right? Because in sports, you know, you could wake up the next morning, you're gone somewhere else. That's the number one reason. Going back to your main question, though. You know, for me, you know, I think what I'm really super passionate about, obviously, you know, my goal is to win more Super Bowls. And um, you know, my plan is to win them here. You know, it's, it's that simple. You know, I think that's – there's nothing really else other than, other than that. Hugh? Well, first of all, I'm glad he clarified what a no-trade clause is and, and what that represents <laughs> because I've been – I just – it's like I, I find myself driving around just going – why do they have no trade clauses? I'm just so flummoxed yeah, by this. Now you know. So, yeah. so yeah, now I know. Thank you, Russell. So, um, but I would say this. His first initial statement, first of all, he says, it's my goal. That's the power word. My goal to be, that. that's his blue steel, iron chin, declarative statement. I want, uh, my goal is to win Super Bowls, right? That's my goal. Then he changes language and he says, it's my plan to do it in Seattle. In that context, clearly there's a distinction between goal and plan and goal ha- has the, the primacy over that. So in, a, in essence, he's saying, I, I, you know, I'd like to do it in Seattle, but my first goal is to win Super Bowls, and if I can't do it in Super Bowl, uh, uh, do do it in Seattle, then I'm willing to go. That's my interpretation of what he said. You're right that one way that Russell Wilson would be gone is if he asked to be gone. But there's another way. There, there is the market out there, and somebody calls John Schneider and just blows him away with a Mike Ditka, Ricky Williams type trade. I mean. There's a lot of teams that think they're a quarterback away from winning the Super Bowl. So isn't that a potential scenario as well? Well, okay, let's play that out. First of all, there was a reports last year. Uh, I believe it was Dan Patrick reported, and then uh, Pro Football Talk they picked it up that Chicago offered three number ones and a number three, right? Which would be the biggest trade. Uh, in terms of value for any veteran quarterback ever. The only quarterback who ever got three number ones was RG3 on draft day. Mm-hmm. So if that were to happen, hell, you could throw – now it's not legal. The, the league doesn't let you. But in theory, they could go 10 number ones. And they come to Russell and they say and, – and and maybe John Schneider might be just chomping at the bit. That, you know, he wants – let's say it's right. the Saints. The Saints come in and say, you know, we've got uh, – you know, I, th- I think they limit it to three years. So, so, we're we're going to give you three number ones, three number twos, three number threes. You know, we, we're going to give you essentially our whole draft for the next three years. I, I think that's permissible in the eyes of the NFL. Mm-hmm. Now Snyder is just salivating. I want that deal. 
Russell Wilson's 34. He's a little bit heavier. Boom, boom, boom. Sell your truck while it's still running. Let's go. Let's, let's, let's take this deal from the Saints. Russell, they come to Russ and says, nope, not taking it. He's got a contract. He's yes. got a no trade clause. Right. He'll yeah. say, he'll say, I'm going to play out my contract and then I'll, I'll walk. Yeah. He's got the ultimate final say over this yeah. entire thing. And yeah. that's why I agree with you. I think if he's here, it's because he wants to be here. If he's not, it's because he doesn't. It's just, just simple as that. And the player has a lot of authority here. There's no question about that. But Hugh Millen again with us on the show. And Hugh, I'm curious about Bobby Wagner. He's not going to play in the game on Sunday. Is there any part of you? And if so, what part that believes that maybe Bobby's played his final game here? Pete Carroll doesn't strike me as that kind of cutthroat guy, you know, that that uh, Belichick is. Yep. Uh, the argument to be made would be if you're trying to do a little bit of remodel um, that you've got in Jordan Brooks, I think a guy who's kind of a, a potential star in the rising, um, that Cody Barton can be serviceable, maybe a bridge linebacker. Um, uh, you know, he's, he, he's sufficient. I think you can play good defense with him. And – you you come to Bobby and you say, "Hey, uh, we just need to whack it." You know, you're at your what, what's his, his cap number going to be up over eighteen million next year, and and if they they try to negotiate that down and he declines, I don't see that happening. That's that's happened to veterans mm-hmm. in the past. Mm-hmm. I don't think with as long as Pete Carroll's there and Bobby still you know is healthy and wants to play, I don't see them doing that strong arm move to yeah. Bobby. But yeah. I certainly I, – I don't say that with a lot of conviction. 20.3, uh, I, by the way, is what it is next year. Tw- yeah, so they, if they say, Bobby, we need to – you know, we need to restructure this thing, get that cap number down around 10, 12, you know, and, and, and you know, slide some money around and what have you. If, you know, maybe accepts that, maybe he doesn't. I don't think that they would do that to him, but it's certainly in the realm of feasibility. And um, uh, maybe, maybe the Seahawks haven't been – you know, one to do all that with regularity, but it, it it wouldn't shock me. I just, if I'm a betting man, I'm slightly leaning towards no, that won't happen. What about a, just a flat out extension? We're giving you a three year contract, and you know, obviously, after the first two years, it's easiest for us to get out of. That may happen too. I, I and of course, you can lower your cap number that way. But yep. um, uh, yeah. I mean that that could that could happen. I mean he's still playing good football. I, I don't think he's the player he was because I think that he he doesn't he doesn't take on blocks with the physicality that he wants. That he kind of catches blocks a little bit too often. But yeah. in the passing game and and uh, you know his ability to go sideline to sideline, his tackling ability. I mean he's still he's still a top flight linebacker. He's just not the guy that he was four or five years ago. Yeah, I mean he's he's still very much an above average middle linebacker, if not top ten middle linebacker in the NFL. So I'd, I'd bring him back if you want to win next year. But I don't know, man. It seems like you know Jordan Brooks is thriving with him there. So why why not keep that going for? one more year, yeah. but Hugh yeah. Millen with us, and, and Hugh, before you go, uh, Husky football, Cougar football, uh, you may have heard Jaden Delora is going to yeah. enter the transfer portal Stunning. from Wazoo. Uh, how about your thoughts on that? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm stunned. I, I, I just figured that they would have had an offensive system implemented and, and retained enough that it would have appeased Delora. He seemed, it seemed like a real marriage. Now, here was a guy that committed to to Hawaii and he was going to go to Hawaii had had Rolovich stayed at Hawaii now you know in in a manner similar to how Browning committed to Boise State and then when Peterson got the bump up to the Pac-12 uh in the judgment of Peterson he was a Pac-12 level player same thing with Rolovich it's like a, a duplicate obviously different style of quarterback but but it just seemed like a 
a real harmony there. And you saw how well he played in the Apple Cup. I thought for my money, now is a down year in the Pac-12 for sure with quarterbacks, but his best was better than anybody else's best in the conference. Um, you know, you could say the cat at Utah, you know, took him to all that, but, but Delorean was really good in that damn Apple cup. Mm -hmm. And so I'm really surprised, really surprised. And, uh, I don't, I don't know, you know, what's, what system or where he wants to go, but I thought he had a good, good deal going. Just sign at times. Kind of an interesting situation with, with Junior Adams, Hugh. I mean, Junior's walking around the facility as Kalen DeBoer is getting, you know, is getting yeah. introduced as the head coach. It appears that uh, he wants to stay on and DeBoer wants to keep him. And then all of a sudden, boom, not only does he leave, he leads to your rival. So was there anything at all that rubbed you the wrong way there as a Husky? And how much does it affect the Huskies, you think? Well, if you look at his wikipedia page this is a guy that was you know four schools in three months or something you know, he was at appalachian state for like eight days you know so that we've seen that from him um that's number one number two and i know people say oh when you lose a guy oh you're a husky um you're gonna bang on a guy after he leaves you can go back to my comments after the arizona game um i was on the sideline for that game and i saw him interact with the quarterbacks and the receivers. I saw the, the at what little respect that I mean. Jade McMillan was um, he had his elbows back on the the bench, and I have asked a bunch of football guys that I know through the years, have you ever seen that kind of body language from a player to a coach? Uh, no, and so so I thought he was weak sauce on that sidelines. I said as much on the radio, and I, I and then I did a. a immense breakdown of that UCLA game. I just happened to whatever reason I was had a light schedule and I I immersed myself in the offensive uh, uh, production there of, of Washington in the UCLA game and all the details and what have you, every single step of every receiver. And I thought they were so poorly coached. I thought there was no cohesion in that. I said it then, uh, wrote about it a lot in Dogman and, and what have you, just kind of for whatever reason, it lit a fire under me on that particular week. And and there's been nothing that I had seen from the receivers in terms of the the precision of the route. And guys, the precision's in the details. They don't have the details. They didn't have the precision. And that's why they were underwhelming and underperforming. So mm. I don't think Washington is – now, somebody else is going to say, if you want to bring you know, bring the guys, you know, Fetters and those guys in, and and maybe they know something about recruiting that I don't know. And, and so I'll leave that – box unchecked but in terms of what i saw what i i played with 10 pro bowl receivers in my career and eight pro bowl um, um tight ends and just how he, they interacted and the resume they put on the tape of of how they run their routes and the diligence and what have you not impressed don't care whatsoever that he went on to, uh, to uh, Oregon. In fact, I think that it's a net positive positive. Wow. and if he was going to leave it's probably good that he went to your rival hmm if he's uh, the coach, I think he is. I'm starting to think that you don't think losing junior was a big deal. I don't know. Let no, me no, I don't know. let me let me chew know. on I, that I and I'll get back that. to you. Yeah, yeah let me yeah. let me just kind of think about that. All right, Hugh, great stuff, man. Enjoy the weekend and we'll talk soon, buddy. Thank you, pal. All right. All right, have a good weekend. Uh, you bet. Hugh, uh, Hugh Millen with us. Wow. How about that? Do we agree with that? Well, let's you know, come, I, let's come back and talk about that. I, I'm Where's, ticked that he doesn't show any opinion. Right, hang that's, on a that's second. That's what let's, bothers let's, me. Yep, exactly. Maybe one day he will. <laughs> let's come back and chat about that. Coming up on Softy and Dick on 950 KJ. Now back to Football Friday, powered by Bud Light, on your home for the Huskies and the 12th man, Seattle Sports Radio 950. KJR. Not impressed. Don't care whatsoever that he went on to, uh, to uh, Oregon. In fact, I think that it's a net positive. Wow. And if he was going to leave, it's probably good that he went to your rival.
Dude, yeah. what's up, man? Where you been? Just been around. What's that, Dick? Now we are getting some just a treasure trove of drops from our boy Hugh Millen, man. So was that that was in relation to Junior Adams, right? Yes. Last segment. Do we have a longer kind of version of that for those that just missed it? We asked uh, Hugh his thoughts on Junior Adams taking off for Oregon. This is what uh, Hugh Millen had to say about the uh, situation with the outgoing Washington wide receivers coach who is now the wide receivers coach at Oregon. I played with 10 Pro Bowl receivers in my career and eight Pro Bowl tight ends. And just how they interacted and the resume they put on the tape of of how they run their routes and the diligence and what have you, not impressed, don't care whatsoever that he went on to uh, to, uh, Oregon. In fact, I think that it's a net positive. And if he was going to leave, it's probably good that he went to your rival. There you go. How about that? We agree with that? I mean, I I think he did say the recruiting piece aside. That's right. Which is a pretty big big. piece of it. It's big. It's half. It's gigantic. I think it's half. I think it's, if not more than half. I mean, if you're you're an assistant coach and you're going to go out and get me incredible players, hey, if I've got a quarterback as my offensive coordinator or an offensive-minded guy as my head coach, there's other people that can help coach those guys besides Junior Adams. That's true. He's not the only guy that can coach these guys to run the proper route. So I think it's way more than half, to be honest with you. And I think we have to include that. Look, if you believe that he was a detriment, he was a net negative because he was such a horrible coach, I'm not saying I believe that, but if you do, okay, fine. But I think just dismissing the recruiting aspect is a mistake. I and he didn't. Yeah. Yeah, Hugh yeah. didn't. He started that. He started, as you mentioned, he started that. And, you know, it kind of reminds me of a, of a quote I read earlier today from Todd Berry. Who's Todd Berry? He's the d- executive director of the American Football Coaches Association. He okay. said, due to the rampant transferring in college football, here's his quote, I've always been about developing players, but it's not about developing players anymore. Right. It's about assimilating a team for next year that can win. Right, and that means recruiting. And that means recruiting. <laughs> that means bringing so in the best players that's possible. that's to your point. But, I mean, it's... Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's nice to know you would think that the technique that these stud wide receivers are going to get mm-hmm. in 2022 is yeah. going to be superior to what they got in 2021. Yeah, well, potentially, unless they hire the wrong guy, right? They haven't hired a wide receivers coach yet, so we'll see who that person is. But, you know, look, I would have rather had Junior Adams here. I said it when Jimmy got fired and Bob Gregory got whacked or didn't bring him back and Kalen DeBoer came in. That The two guys I would have kept are Junior Adams and Ikeika Malloy. And they eventually kept none of them because Junior Adams went to Oregon. Akaika Malloy was not invited back, and he went to UCLA. Scott Huff is now back as the offensive line coach. I could see some people saying, well, why would you bring back the offensive line coach when the offensive line played terrible a year ago? I think that Kalen DeBoer probably believes that the issue with the offense was more the scheme and the coordinator and the play caller than the guy coaching the offensive line. The offensive line should have been better. The offensive line should have performed better than they did. And I think a large part of that was because of the guy driving the bus, and that was John Donovan, who drove the bus off a cliff last season. (laughs) And uh, I I also think it's important for him to keep somebody 
from that staff, somebody locally who has some kind of a tie with the coaches around here. Um, he wanted to keep two, and he kept one. So we'll see. But I, I, I don't know, man. I just think yesterday was a good day for UW. Today was kind of a good day for UW in some ways as well. Um, I just believe that this staff is exactly doing what we talked about they were doing a couple days ago when maybe not by choice because some of these guys they may have wanted to keep, like Sam Taimani, like Terrell Bynum. I have no idea what their thought was on guys like Cooper and Jackson Sermon and others. But, you know, look, there's a culture shift that has to happen here, right? There's a culture change that has to happen here. And like we said yesterday, as Petro said on Wednesday, having a bunch of guys that have now been through it with four, three different head coaches, I think just makes Kalen DeBoer's job that much tougher. Well, it appears that the worm is starting to turn, and mm-hmm. we've been talking about the— I love that term, by the way. It is a great term. What does that mean? What's it, the genesis of it, that? The worm is starting to turn. I don't know what the genesis is. That's something of, to do with like spring coming or, you know, maybe. Uh, maybe yeah, the worm's coming in. Seasons changing. Yeah, instead whatever. of the worm going down into the dirt. Is that what it means? He's popping his okay. head back up and kind of taking a look nah. around. And, I was on the golf course and all I saw was worms uh, on the green uh, all day long. So I got no idea what that is. And I bet that, but it, it does appear after the, the negative run that the Huskies had with the transfers leaving. Yeah. I think yesterday was a big day with Jalen McMillan, Jalen Polk, yep. and then today they put out. I, I, totally agree with them throwing the video out there of Kalen DeBoer offering Mies Powell a scholarship. And that's something Chris Peterson would not have done. Well, they should do more of it. And I, Absolutely. I mean, that's, that's it's exactly a recruiting yeah. tool right. when you do stuff like that. I think anytime a kid gets a scholarship and there's a crowd reaction like that, it should be on social media. Yep. Because the more people can see inside the building, the better off you are. There needs to be a connection, man. There needs to be engagement. There needs to be an identity with this program. And I think this is the way you do it. You do it through social media channels. You do it through the media. I told you last night that if I were in charge over there, I would do things differently. And look, I will say this right now. The staff over there, is 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 small all right they've made changes to the staff some because of the pandemic others because of departures that they have not yet replaced for example um but what i would have done last night with jalen mcmillan i would have put him on a conference call with everybody who covers husky football in this town yeah and he would have been all over the paper today he would have been interviews commentary quotes whatever i would have done all that maybe they asked him and he said no i have no idea but i would be shoving these players and coaches down people's throats between now and spring football to get as much husky vibe going as i can and you've got an opportunity right now yeah because the seahawks Obviously, we're down. The Seahawks will still get talked about a ton, but right. not as much as they would have been if they were no, eleven and no. six and going to the playoffs next week. Cracking our so, playing that well. Cracking our playing yep, well. Yep. The Husky basketball team's not playing well. Yep. You've got an opportunity to be front and center over the next two or three months before, w- without you even taking a practice or a regular season snap. Yeah. Well, I mean, I I, I, I think it's great. I, I think they should do it more, and we're going to try to get them to do more. And you know, we can we can ask and ask and ask, but you know, really in the end, it's up to them. You know. What do they want to do? You know, do, do they want to get these kids out there? I, I, it's not even. I, I'm not sure why it doesn't happen. Maybe it's a culture shift as well from certain people over there. But I just think that if I'm Kalen DeBoer, I'm asking everybody over there, hey, what do I need to do to get out there? Yeah. What do I have to do to get my players out there? What do I have to do uh, to get my coaches out there? And you know, this idea that you know, 18 year olds can't talk to the media. You know, bull crap. It's ridiculous, man. Well, that's an archaic rule. Well, but 
yeah, but a lot of coaches still have it. I mean, Chris Peterson had it. Jimmy Lake had it. A lot of coaches don't let freshmen talk. You know, these kids are 18 years old, but they're not as dumb and stupid and ignorant and naive as you and I were when we were 18 years old. Kids are growing up a lot faster these days. I mean, look at your son compared to where you were when you were 11, for crying out loud. Uh, 11-year-old Dixon would smoke an 11-year-old dick. I, I no know that. Okay, no he, he would he would run in, circles in pretty much here. all phases. Totally, because they're just smarter. So I think they can handle it. And I think the more you promote the program, the more you market the program. And there's people out there like Capel, like Varel, like us that are just waiting for as much Husky content as we can get. I I made the the comment off the air about the Mariners, the Mariner PR staff at the end of the year when the Mariners were in the playoff race. Phenomenal. Job. Were pushing players to us every day. Yep. They were begging us to put players on the air. And we did. Begging us. And it was great. Absolutely. And they sold out games Magic because Man. of it. They yes. sold out. We, yeah, we made a we made a caricature out of the closer. That's incredible. All right, 539, a little DPI, a little stats are for losers on a Friday night. Coming up next right here on 950 KJR. Stats are for losers. Now back to Football Friday, powered by Bud Light, on your home for the Huskies and the 12th man, Seattle Sports Radio 950. KJR. All right, Tony Castricone joining us about 6.10 or so on the radio show. His thoughts on last night's win over Utah. Huskies went to Salt Lake City and got a win against the Utes. What is a Ute? I just like saying Utes so I can play that drop. What is a Ute? Uh, We'll talk about uh, Jalen Polk, Jalen McMillan, all that coming up. Tony Castricone talking dogs, but as we are prone to do on the Friday night before a Seahawks game, and are we doing this through the playoffs? By the way, I know a lot of people whatever like you to wish. get action on the playoffs. Yeah, whatever you wish. So why not? We can make it happen. Yeah, why not? I mean, if we're going to keep it going with a team that's not making the playoffs, then why the hell don't we keep Do it going? Do you want us to pick a game we'll each get, week? We'll just or? get his pick. We'll get his his best play of the weekend oh, in the NFL okay. postseason. How's that? With the spread and everything. I would just say, well, we've been doing money line right for the Hawks. Yeah. So yeah. why not keep, keep it, it going? All right, yeah, all right. You'll be able to have a money line bet on every playoff game, like so it. why not? So what do you got? All right, well, let's go. Christmas vacation. We had some break from the DPI, so uh, Aubrey is back. Hi again, it's Aubrey, and we're here with <laughs> Dixon. Dixon, how did the Seahawks do last week? Uh, they did pretty good. Um, they beat the Lions, which is which are probably the worst team in the league, but that's still a win. There's a lot of talk about Russell Wilson being traded. Do you think he'll be here next year? Yes, I do. Why? Because he's just kind of been our guy. We're not going to trade him just because he's had one bad season. So he'll get back on track next year. Do you think if Russell didn't get hurt, we will be in the playoffs? Um, That's questionable, but we did only one win when Russell was gone. So, yeah, we got one win against the Jaguars, and uh, like they're one of the worst teams in the league. So, yeah, I think we could have been in a better situation than right now. Okay, who do we got this week? The Arizona Cardinals. How good are the Arizona Cardinals? They're really good. <laughs> uh, they're in the race with uh, the Rams for our division right now. Wasn't Kyler Murray your fantasy quarterback? Did he do good? Well, he was good for a little while. And then he just started not doing very good. He got zero <laughs> touchdowns, but he got a bunch of yards. Yeah, it didn't really get me a good end of the season. Okay, it is time for our final Seahawks DPI. Okay, so this week I think that the Arizona Cardinals would beat us with a 
uh, 58% chance for the wow. Arizona Cardinals oh. and 42% chance for the Seattle Seahawks. Softy thinks we should play some of our young guys, but Dad thinks we should play uh, to win. What do you think? I'm kind of in the middle. You know, get some of the young guys, like, a chance to play for maybe next year. And just, you got to have an aggressive mindset, too. So, I think I want to play, like, in the middle. Okay, that's all, folks. Back to you, Softy. Just riding the fence, man. Yeah, total riding that's the fence on that one. Right, come with an opinion, kid. Well, I, 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 you, you, your, your son just hit on one of my biggest pet peeves. What's that? And I don't understand the genesis of this. I don't get how this started. I don't get where it comes from. Other people do it as well. In what world do we refer to the Jaguars as the Jaguars? Oh, yeah, he did. I, he? I don't get it. Like, wh- how? People that say Washington. Yeah. But it's not the Jaguars. There's no I in there. I got to fix that. How was that so hard? And what happens to a person where they start calling a Jaguar a Jaguar? <laughs> I don't it know. It drives me nuts. I mean, I get it if you're from Britain and you I call it a get Jaguar it. because I, that's yes. what they say in Britain, but that's yes. not what they say here. Yes. Aluminum is aluminium. <laughs> but in no world, in no language, in no planet, is it a Jaguar? It a jaguar? <laughs> I don't understand that. All right, those stats are for losers right now. It's time for Stats are for Losers. Speaking of losers, of course, take it away, softy. All right, let's get to it. Let's stats are for losers Friday night. Stats are for right losers. Right here on 950 KJR. Did you know, Dick, that in 2013, Peyton Manning became the oldest player ever to lead the NFL in passing yards and passing touchdowns? Okay. He was 37 years old. Tom Brady currently leads the NFL. In passing yards, in passing touchdowns, and he's 44 years old. He's got two more touchdowns than second place, over 300 more passing yards than second place. Stats are for losers. If that holds, Tom Brady becomes the first player, or excuse me, the oldest player in the history of the NFL to lead the league in passing touchdowns and passing yards. Stats are for losers. And he'll do it by seven years more than the previous record holder in Peyton Manning. Talk about an unbreakable record. How about that? And he's not even the MVP favorite. That's right. How about that? And if he makes the Super Bowl, he's going to skip it like Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> he's pissed off about the mandate. All right, what do you got? This is crazy. I had to read this three times to believe okay. this. But Stats okay. are for losers. The Rams lead the NFL this season at 6.1 yards a play. Okay. All right? So yep. yards per play, the Rams are number one. Yep. Derrick Henry is returning to the Titans. Okay. You know he's currently sixth in the NFL with 937 yards despite not playing since Halloween Day. Wow. Stats are for now losers. remember that 6.1 yards per play I talked about with the Rams. Yep. When Derrick Henry... Julio Jones and A.J. Brown are all playing at the same time for the Titans. They average seven yards per play. The gap between them and the Rams would be the same as between the Rams and the Jets at 20th in the NFL. That is how good the Titans' offense is when everybody is healthy. Stats are for losers. They could win this whole damn thing. Absolutely, they could win the whole thing, for sure. All right, I got an NBA stats are for losers Ooh, for let's you. Do it. Stats are for losers. You saw two nights ago, Dirk Nowitzki had his number retired by Dallas. You mm-hmm. catch that, by the way? So he played 21 years in the NBA, all of them with the Dallas Mavericks. Can you name the players that spent more time with one team in the NBA than Dirk Nowitzki did. Stats are for losers. John Stockton. 
I don't think there's one. Oh, Jackson. Oh, Jackson was a trick question. Here is the list of well players done. that spent more time with one team in the NBA. Zero. Yeah. And that's Nobody. amazing that it happened during the 90s and the 2000s. In free agency. You, yeah, in yep. the era of free agency, yep. you think it would happen in like the 60s. Right. Dirk Nowitzki played 21 years in Dallas. <sighs> Next best, Kobe, 20 with the Lakers. Ooh. After that, Tim Duncan, 19 in San Antonio. John Stockton, 19 in, in Utah. Carl Malone, 18 with the Utah Jazz. Reggie Miller, 18 with the Indiana Pacers. And how about, here's one I missed. Udonis Haslam played 19 years with the Miami freaking (laughs) Heat. But nobody spent more time with one team in the history of the NBA than Dirk Nowitzki. Stats are for losers. Again, it kind of shows Sue Bird's coming back for 19. I mean, she's right there near the top of the uh, the all-time basketball list. We'll stick with basketball. Have you ever heard of Josh Giddey? No. Wait a minute. Is he the Thunder guy? He is the Thunder yeah. guy. Well Stats done. For well losers. done. Yeah. Josh Giddy this week became the youngest player. He's an Australian. He became the youngest player in NBA history to record a triple-double. And only four teenagers have ever recorded a triple-double. And it's weird. They've all come in the last four years. And yeah. one of them happened to be... Former Husky Markel Fultz. Oh, he, that guy plays for the Thunder, though, so he's yeah, probably going to be a big loser. Le I him. agree that. Yeah. All right, I got one more for you. Okay. Uh, Tyler Lockett. Stats are for losers. On Sunday, 23 yards receiving. He becomes the seventh player in the history of the Seahawks franchise to have an 1,100-yard receiving season or more. So six guys have done it so far. Yep. Lockett would be the seventh. Okay? Can you name... The other six players that have an 1,100-yard receiving single season for the Seahawks. Well, Tyler Lockett's done it before, has he not? Tyler Lockett has never done it until now. DK Metcalf. DK Metcalf has won last year, which was the all-time record. 1,300-plus yards, by the way. Corin Robinson. Corin Robinson did it once. Steve Largent. Steve Largent did it five times. That's three of the six. Joey Galloway. Three players. Joey Galloway. Did not do it. Brian Blades. Brian Blades, yeah. Brian Blades did not do it. Um, 1,100 yards or more. Daryl Djack. Two players left. Two players left. You got Largent. You got Djack. You got Corn. You got DK Mecca. Did Doug do it? Doug oh, did it one call. time. Good call. Good call. One player left. One player. Just one player, Rodney. You got Largent. You got Djack. You got Corn. You got DK. You got Doug Baldwin, one player did, did, left on that list. Did Bobby rack up enough receptions, Ingram, to, to get enough? Ooh. Oh! Bobby Ingram. How about that? Good nice. job, Jackson. 84. Bobby Ingram. That was teamwork right there. Doug Baldwin, Steve Largent, Daryl Jackson, Corin Robinson, wow. DK Metcalf. I did not think Bobby Ingram had Those are the yards. six players, and if Tyler Lockett does it this weekend, he becomes the seventh all-time in the history wow. of the franchise. Stats are for losers. Good work. All right, we're going to break. Tony Castricone coming next on 950 KJR. your 950 KJR Sports Headlines. All right, boys and girls, happy Friday. Headlines on Softy and Dick are brought to you by our friends at VenueKings.com. You know, it's been a while, by the way. Sam Darnold with time. Looking deep downfield into the end zone. Touchdown Jets, Robbie Anderson. And the first TD throw of Sam Darnold's career. 
goes 41 yards. All right. Looking for tickets for the Kraken at Climate Pledge Arena. Dogs over at Heckhead. VenueKings.com. He has it covered. Be sure and use code SOFTY at checkout for a discount. Tony Castricone joining us in a matter of minutes here. Talk about last night's win over the Utah Utes in Salt Lake City. What is a Ute? 74-68. Dejan Davis drops 16 dogs. will play Colorado. 2 o'clock tip-off Sunday right here on 950 KJR. The number one player in the world has surged to a tie for the lead at the Century Tournament Champions at Kapalua. That would be John Rahm at 13 under par through 15 holes. Cam Smith also at 13 under. And Masters champ Hideki Matsuyama one stroke back as is tour champion Patrick Cantley. You know, it's funny. John Rahm and I have the exact same short backswing. But Very short backswing. His ball goes much farther than mine. And straighter, too. It's amazing. I don't get it, man. Uh, box lead the net 78-59 mid-third quarter. Bobby Portis with 20-10 and 10 so far from Milwaukee. Philadelphia uh, getting 31 from Joel Embiid. Sixers lead the Spurs 107-92. DeJounte Murray, by the way, for San Antonio in the mid-fourth uh, quarter. 27 points for the Spurs so far. Bobby Wagner, John Reed, Brandon Shell out. Will Disley, Gabe Jackson, Carlos Dunlap. Questionable. For the hey, I like it. Uh, NHL, just two games tonight uh, across the country. Uh, Carolina leading Calgary 4-2. I guess that would be North America. And the Capitals and Blues are tied at one. Early second period from St. Louis. Kraken have the week off with games getting postponed. Due to COVID, they got Colorado on Monday, 5.30 pregame. 6 o'clock, they'll drop the puck with Everett and Dave right here on Monday night on 950 KJR. All right, uh, before we get to Tony Castricone, I just got this text from our buddy Petros Papalakis down there in Los Angeles. I know how Dick feels. Who uh, sent me this tweet from the Pro Football Network. Has Chip Kelly coached his final game at UCLA and could Pete Carroll return to L.A.? Uh, The tweet goes on to read that Tony Pauline, pretty respected guy, right, across uh, circles in the NFL, works for uh, the Pro Football Network. He is hearing the Seahawks head coach could be approached by UCLA about a vacant head coaching position. I could approach Kate Upton about moving in with me and my wife. We'll see. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It could happen. Prayers for you, buddy. Okay. How oh, much, my God. How much does Pete Carroll make? Uh, $10 million. $10 million. It's not even the money. It's the workload. I mean, he would work so much harder yes. at UCLA. Unless he just takes a college job and just says, look, I'm not going to recruit. All right? I'm going to stay home. I'm going to send you guys on a private jet. I'm going to squat my ass back here yep. in Hollywood, and you guys go recruit, and I will stay here in Los Angeles. I don't see him doing it without that ridiculous approach. There is no way Pete Carroll is going to be coaching a college football team. Not a chance. Yes, and unless it's exactly that. And and you want to you want me to finalize a signing, then you bring him to my house. Yeah, yeah. No, totally. He's not yeah, going to be flying just, all no, over God's green earth to recruit well, 18-year-olds. And, and it's not even just the flying. It's the hours. I mean, college coaches work so much harder than pro coaches do. They've got double the amount of players they have to keep an eye on. They're recruiting. They're talking to high school coaches, man. Pete Carroll can take months off at a time if he wants from the NFL and go to his place in Maui. He can't do that in college football. And why do people keep bringing this stuff up? And now, why, I'm not saying that he's wrong, that UCLA may not try. 
There's nothing wrong with trying, but he's not doing that. Well, why would he even want? Let's let's forget the workload. Let's just talk about coaching the football teams. Yes, right. Why would you rather coach UCLA than the Seattle Seahawks? Yeah, Yeah. I will. I will wear your underwear for a month if Pete Carroll takes a college football (laughs) coaching job. Okay, just make sure you clean it first. All right, joining us right now on the radio show, coming off the win over the Utah Utes last night in Salt Lake City. Nice win for UW. What is a Ute? Thank you. Got 16 from Dejon Davis. Career high 15 from. Cole Bajima, Terrell Brown Jr. He's fifth in the nation in scoring, by the way. He had 15. Tony Castricone, voice of Husky football, Husky basketball, joining us right now on the show. Tony, how are you? I'm great. Happy New Year, guys. It's good to be on the air with you again. And it was great to call a win last night. I mean, that team played pretty good in the second half, didn't they? They absolutely did play pretty good in the second half. And and I wonder, actually, if this little break that they had up until the Arizona game on, on what Monday maybe did them some good because the final score may not show it against Arizona, but there were times where they were giving Arizona, you know, a little bit of a push, and then they go to Salt Lake City and get a win against Utah. So is it crazy to think that maybe during the break these guys figured something out? I I don't know um, if it quite works that way. It's really it's really hard to tell, Safi, what's going on. I think you're asking a great question, and I, I just don't know the answer to that, but I will say this. I think in South Dakota, they were started like, you got to remember, this is a, a team of guys that they're playing together. Those that did play together in AAU and all that stuff, they're, they're coming together again for the first time in, in years. Right. So there's a real gelling thing that this team need to figure out early in the season. And I think that kind of started to happen in South Dakota. They played a quality mid-major in Winthrop and lost at home in, in that last game in November, but I think they were they were on the right track. And I think that 21-day pause probably hurt them more than it would hurt the average team in their situation, given all the newness and, and still coming together and the gelling and everything that was going on. And so for them to come out of that, struggle against Seattle U, struggle to shoot the ball, lose in a big way to Utah Valley, they really, they really didn't play well in that game. I think... I think they're now starting to kind of come together as a team. Um, they're not – th- this is not going to be a good rebounding team. Uh, and it's it's not going to be the best defensive team in the country. But what they are going to do is they're going to scrap really hard. They, they've been great at forcing turnovers. They've been really good at taking care of the ball. And they're starting to hit some shots. And the combination of those three things makes them a dangerous out. Like, they're not a team that I'd really want to play right now. And so for Colorado to be off of this 10-3 and start, they're going to get a, a kind of a, a confident Husky team at the CU Event Center on Sunday afternoon. Well, you're right about the turnovers. I mean, Utah's turnovers cost them that game. And I, I kind of felt like in the first 25 minutes of the game, it was really just Utah handing Washington the ball, just terrible passing, not really anything Washington was was earning. But in the last 15 minutes of the game, Washington earned those turnovers, and they were able to capitalize totally. on them. I totally agree, Dick. And I, I think it wasn't just turnovers, too. There were a couple of crucial rebounds. They went minus 18 in that column, but there was like, I remember a, a ferocious board by Langston Wilson that made a big difference. Um, Jamal Bay had maybe the biggest one of the game, where then he came down and hit the two free throws after that. And I, I think they got some timely rebounds. They got some blocks and deflections at the rim. And, and again, just the ability to be disruptive with deflections, getting into passing lanes. I think Dejon Davis and 
Terrell Brown have been way better than, than I expected at doing that. We knew Jamal Bay kind of was an understudy of Matisse Thibel in that area. But uh, you, you add Davis and Brown into the mix, and yeah. and they're dangerous defensively at the guard spot. I still I still think really good bigs will give them a hard time. But um, I mean, again, if the Huskies can step out and make some shots, you got a guy in Cole Bajma that that might have just lit a match last night. I, I'm thinking back on Dominic Green. You know, his sophomore campaign. I think he closed it out by going seven of forty nine. Just struggled epically, right? but then comes around as a junior and then boom, light switch goes off. He helps him win that game at USC to start Pac-12 play. He obviously has the game winner against Arizona and he was a crucial piece to that team doing what they did. And I wonder if Cole Badgema might not be the same type of role player on this, on this group. So yeah, I, I think you're exactly right. I mean, you know, those steals, those turnovers, those effort play, that's what 50, 50 balls and effort plays. Those are what you got to win. And especially when you're, you're going to be an underdog, especially when you're on the road. And the Huskies did that in a lot of stretches over the last two games, and that's why they were able to split them. Well, Tony Castricone with us, and it's a great day to have you on because I, I just thought yesterday for the entire program was a good day. Yeah. Uh, the Huskies get a win at Utah. Uh, McMillan comes back. Uh, Jalen Polk decides he's not going to transfer. So it, it kind of stopped the bleeding, I guess, a little bit just yesterday and getting some good news all wrapped up in one big box with the football team and the basketball team was awesome. But, Tony, you mentioned Terrell Brown Jr., and, man, we're sitting here, and Terrell Brown Jr. is fifth in the nation in scoring, number four in power five. You know, look, when they got Matthews, when they got Dejon Davis, when they got Terrell Brown Jr., I think all of us thought, hey, somebody eventually is going to step up and start to fill up the bucket. But uh, I would be lying if I said I was not surprised that Terrell Brown is number five in the country in scoring. Um, I'm right there with you. I, I think it's been a really pleasant surprise. And I think we're now getting kind of an up-close and personal uh, view on just kind of the character that he has and, and, and the grit that he plays with. I mean, what a story to start in junior college and then go to Seattle U and kind of a journeyman career as he, he goes to Arizona for an opportunity and comes back home for his final season and I just think, like, that's the kind of underdog story that you root for, a guy that, that takes the long grinding road but, but has success the entire way and, and makes an impact everywhere he, he goes and it ends up where he wanted to be, right? And so I, I just think he's one of those guys that's so easy to root for. It's one of the things I love about college sports are, are guys like Terrell Brown. And I'm so glad he's a Husky, and I can't wait to follow him the rest of the year. I, I'm, I'm pulling for a scoring title. Those, those kind of things don't happen all that often, you know? So uh, that's a pretty cool thing. No question. But, I, you know, I think the guy that won the basketball game last night was Dejon Davis. And, and I agree with you, Tony, in the sense that, oh, did they really figure anything out yesterday? We don't know. But what I do think that maybe they figured out was Dejon Davis maybe figured out a role. I mean, he is becoming – a attack dog on the trap on defense, and he's working the offense around Terrell Brown and making himself available. I thought that sequence with the steal and then the the finish off the Terrell Brown drive, I mean, that was kind of the key to the comeback last night. Yeah, and I think if he can find his spark offensively by doing what he does, I mean, he's he's kind of like, He's kind of more of a slasher. He and, and Brown are both more of a two-point bucket getter. Yes. They're not really the spot-up three-point type of guy. 
But, like, Dayton's dangerous from the outside. I mean, he can hit them, but that roll is a slasher. And a couple of times, his blow-bys were just really impressive where he'd hit the B button and just leave a guy, you know, falling backwards. I, I think that you're right. I, so we know Brown's going to get his buckets, right? But I think the key to stopping the Huskies is not letting one of the complementary players really mm-hmm. find their groove. And so I think last night was kind of a team win because it wasn't just Emmett Matthews like it was against Arizona. It was Emmett Matthews with the big buckets late, but it was Jamal Bay in double figures, Dejon Davis, and then you got Cole Badjama off the bench playing his role to the best that he's done it yet in his time on Montlake. And so, uh, again, I, I think what, what last night was was psychological. It was emotional, and it was confidence that I think is so crucial. You know, momentum is such a big part of college sports, college football, college basketball, college rowing, like everything. Momentum is so huge, right? And I think the Huskies have got a little bit of it. Now, can they keep it? I don't know. They're going to hit adversity in some of these road games. You know, the Sunday at Colorado, that's yeah. a good team. Yeah. So can they, can they keep the momentum? Uh, that's what I'm really compelled to see because if they can, there's no reason. Like, we know who the big three are in this league. We know that they're going to be at the top. But there's a whole lot of parity, in my opinion, from like 4 to 12. No and, doubt. And there's a, there's a lot up for grabs. And so uh, let's go get some. Yeah, I thought that was a pretty damn important game last night. I mean, down 14, if that kind of would have, you know, cascaded on them and uh, all of a sudden you kind of throw away whatever good vibes maybe you had coming out of Arizona, you get torched by, uh, you know, maybe, let's face it, below average, if not mediocre Utah team last night. Uh, th- this thing could have gone a different direction. So we'll see what happens on Sunday. But Tony Castricone, voice of the dogs, with us on the radio show. He mentioned the other news from yesterday, and I was telling Dick on the show, I think it's great that Jalen McMillan and Jalen Polk both came out with statement saying that they're not going to enter the transfer portal because let's face it there was chatter about that happening once junior took off and went to oregon people were wondering people were you know kind of you know maybe uh on edge about losing some of this wide receiver course so uh, i think any good vibes you can create for the program is good and i thought it was great that both those guys came out with those statements yesterday i i totally agree Safi, and i think it, it's great that it generates the positive feelings and momentum that that they came out with the statements, but I got to be honest, my heart skips a beat when I see Jalen McMillan post one of those you know photo yes, backgrounds yeah, with, totally. with a tiny print, and I'm oh, like, yeah. oh no, I got to read this stuff. Like, is is he gone? Is he got what? What? Same with Jalen Polk. And then you read it and you find out, oh, they're dogs. Like they're they're into this thing. They're into Coach DeBoer. I think that's awesome. I I can't you know look. I thought Mike Burrell with the Seattle Times had a really good analysis of like yes. The Huskies are losing some to the transfer portal. This happens with with turnover. But if you look at the power five averages for teams that bring in new head coaches, this is kind of expected. These numbers that they're dealing with right now, it's right on average for what other teams that have new head coaching hires in the power five level across the country have. And so, you know, it's to be expected that guys, often commit to coaches they they you know if, if there's a change at the top they want to explore their other options it's understandable everybody's got to do what's best for them but to have talent like polk who flashed at the end of that season last year despite what he's been through i mean the the character that he has and uh the love for the game of football is obvious and then Jalen mcmillan's obvious talent 
I, I think those are two huge pieces in the wide receiver room for next year. Well, and Tony, like we were talking about the last couple of days, I mean, God bless the Jackson Sermons and the Cooper McDonalds of the world, but, I mean, outside Taki Taimani, I mean, there really hasn't been an impact player that said goodbye to Washington this offseason. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't want to, you know, undermine the contributions they did have. I mean, I, Jackson Sermon had a lot of tackles in his time on Montlake, a lot of starts. Um so they're going to have to figure some pieces out at that linebacker room in particular because, you know, the, the depth there is, is what it is. Um, but, uh, again, I, I'm with you. Like, look, first and foremost, you want to have guys on your roster who really want to be there. And so if Taki isn't feeling it this year, if Jackson wants to go play for his dad, like, that's, hey, you know, we, we don't want to hold people against their will, right? Like, you want people who are all in, invested, ready to be dogs, no hard feelings. Wish them the best of luck, except for when we play against them. But the, the rest of it's like, you want guys that want to bleed purple and gold. And I think Coach DeBoer is building that right now. And, um, you know, it'll take some time. It'll take a little bit of patience. But, but come September 3rd, I'm excited to see the starting 11 that we have on both sides of the ball. And uh, just this roster, the way it's going to fill out, and the depth that we're going to have uh, for 2022. Yeah. All right, man. Listen, great stuff. Uh, enjoy the evening off. Enjoy the game on Sunday, 2 o'clock, 1.30 pregame show right here on KJR. Go get them, and we'll talk down the road, buddy. Appreciate Thanks, this, pal. All right, guys. Go dogs. You got it, man. Go dogs. Good stuff from Tony Castercone. Hey, when we come back, uh, speaking of college football, there's news coming out of Pullman, and it's not good for Cougar fans. Next on Softy and Dick, right here on 950 KJ. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.